In today's episode of the Blue Collar Brain Trust podcast, we welcome Charles Antis. He's the CEO of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing in Irvine, California. Charles, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate uh, having you here. How are you doing today? I'm excellent, Cameron. I'm so happy to be here. What a beautiful way to start today. Absolutely. Could you tell our guests a little bit about Antis Roofing and Waterproofing? Antis Roofing and Waterproofing is a roofing company that's positioned here in Southern California covering that HOA market. If you live in a community and you vote on your roofing as a whole, then we do it and we track it and we stand behind it and we safely install it. And that's what we do. That's our whole market. That's all we sell to. We also are a company that's known for a lot of giving. We are struck with a condition like many, many roofers I know that we can't just let somebody have a leaky roof because just because they don't have the money to pay. So we, I'll say that, I can probably say that better. We just can't let anybody have a leaky roof just because they don't have the money to pay. I think that's a, a condition that ended up being the strength of our brand because it drew in the best people and it retains the best people and it allows us to thrive in an industry that's topsy-turvy. You've got quite a, a heart. I've noticed that you do a lot of work out there giving back to the community. And one of the, one of the things that you do that through is the Antis Foundation. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the Antis Foundation, it's, it's, um, it's a donor advised fund, which works like our own nonprofit. And it's something that I couldn't have conceived of if I didn't have consulting, which there's a lot of uh, nonprofits or other in, uh, entities that exist to consult small businesses and teach us how to do it. Well, this, this entity called 1OC, they, they, they kind of marry nonprofits to for-profits for the good of community and brand. They told us about this donor advice fund because I couldn't afford to open a nonprofit. It's super expensive to maintain. But they said, no, actually, you can come under our nonprofit under your own umbrella. And this is what it does. I want to tell you the strategy. If you are a roofing company and you have good years and bad years and you want to give, then how are you going to give in the bad years? Well, let me tell you how. You take the good years. You take some of that pre-tax money. I'm talking pre-tax money. The government can't touch it yet. And it encourages you if you want to give it away. So we say, okay, we're going to take a half a million dollars. We had a really good year and we're going to put it into this donor advice fund. And then we can give next year, even if the year is bad. And that's what allows us to have impact. That's what allows us to maintain a strong culture. And that's what allows us to maintain strong brand. And when that you put all that together, what you have are roofs that truly last 30 years because if you look at anybody out there and you look up you know probably the roof that the roofer that installed that's not a business or you know those stories that you hear over and over again but when you have purpose in a company the end result is product that lasts it's employees that have purpose that are happy to install that roof right. we have an expression internally here that we like to say externally too too because there's there's 200,000 parts on the average roof we install so we say this, every nail matters because it does. And that's true whether you're talking about those parts or you're talking about the people that install them. I know in one of our previous conversations, you talked about how 
culture is essential to being able to take your company to the next level and to be able to scale. I think that's an important lesson for people also. Oh yeah. I think it's all about culture. There's this, you know, I don't remember who said it, but culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I've had some great strategies and I'm like, Hey, let's go team. Yeah. Man, if you don't got the team, if you're not glued, if you don't all believe, if you don't all trust each other, it's not almost like your family at home, right. then it's going to, it's going to, you're going to hit a wall sometimes. Sure. But when your culture's good, you lose some of that control and you build it in trust, then you can move mountains. Then you can, you can have impact. Your company's a, a pretty, I'm, I mean, it's not huge, but it's, it's not a, you're not a small roofing company. Um, you didn't start out that way, I'm sure. How did you get into the business? How did you become, how did you become a roofer, Charles? Well, I think, uh, one reason that I became a roofer is I'm a laborer. That's how I saw myself as a kid, whether I wanted to or not. That's how I saw myself. I grew up in Oregon and uh, a small town called Myrtle Creek in Douglas County, Oregon, Southern Oregon. When I was a kid in the early 60s, it was the timber capital of the world. I mean, Douglas County, they shipped out Douglas fir all over the world, and it was a strong blue-collar market. So there was a lot of reasons you would want to work in the forest or work in the lumber mills. And, and in that environment, I would get jobs working in those environments, and it paid well, and it was a good job. But, but I remember, though, the impression as a kid, it wasn't, I mean, I, I was impressed by them, and especially the loggers. I, I, I mean, I wear fuzzy stuff. I think I still want to be a logger. But I but I remember being impressed by the men that were, were generous. And now it, it lines up. But when I was a kid, I remember being six years old at the Wooden Nickel Day Parade. It was the biggest event in Myrtle Creek, Oregon in, 19, in the late 60s. And about 1968, I remember being down there. And at the last of the parade, there was a man, and I knew who he was. He owned the Shell Oil Company. His name was John Shirtcliffe, and he was, and he would call us out, and he would hand us something. He would hand us a dime, and a dime back then was a lot of money. I could buy a couple candy bars with it, and he gave us a toy. And I, and I just remember a feeling that today translates to, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. But I'm a laborer. That's how I saw myself. So I, how I ended up in roofing is I came to California on a sales job. And, and I, I, I want to tell this because it's important. The sales job was I was recruited to knock on doors and sell insulation to homes, promising them savings on their electricity. Mm -hmm. And so I, I sold a family that I loved. I say I loved this family because they were just a cool family. They were deaf. They were teaching me sign language because they were deaf. They had a cute daughter. And I, I, I loved this family. The next day I went back to collect my check and I knocked and no one answered. Oh, they're deaf. I knocked again and the father saw me and he got on the phone and he didn't come to the door. And next thing you know, I felt footsteps on the steps. I looked over and the neighbor was telling me to leave. And I said, well, why, why? She says, because you're, you're cheating. And my neighbors, you're taking advantage of them because of their handicap. And I wasn't, and I, I was, I said, I'm not, I'm not. And she pulled out the contract and she showed me what I promised them that this was going to save them in that contract. It's what it said. And, and, and she told me that was impossible. And, you know, I looked at her and I agreed with her and I was ashamed. That's funny that I feel emotion, but you know, I was ashamed. I wish I could go back to that family today. I wish I could go back and say, Hey, I quit that day. Look at us now, because that's 
when I got a job. I got a job the next week in roofing. I got a job in roofing because I looked for a job in labor. That was the only thing that I saw that I could do when I was 21 years old in 1984. And I got a job roofing and it was hard work. It was hard work, really hard work, but I was used to hard work and it was dangerous, but I grew up with dangerous work. But in that capacity, I found something that I loved. It was solving problems that no one else could solve. I loved being able to solve a leak on a home and just made people so happy. And yeah. so I became very good at solving leaks. And that's how I, I kind of started my business because the company I worked for just didn't have enough work for me. And I had a few side jobs and that's what got Antis Roofing going. I wasn't the guy that was gung-ho. I didn't have a business plan, but I had, you know, some, some I was armed with a few things. <laughs> that my dad taught me, you know, my dad said, son, you always do the right thing, no matter what. And I just remember early on, man, there was pains, there were people that wouldn't pay or whatever, but I showed up no matter what. And that, you know, now I'll go ahead and roll into my most important story of my early career now. And that's when I, we gave away our first roof. And that happened because, you know, I was desperate. I was so desperate for work that I had to put weather stripping on the door of the home bedroom that I converted to an office. So you wouldn't hear my daughter if you called. And I would get a couple of calls a week. This is 1989. And I remember I got a call one day from a woman and she had leaks in every room. And, you know, that's good news because I, I make a few hundred dollars per leak. And, and by the way, I don't want to re-roof because I'm not experienced yet. I just started my company. I, I don't have a crew. I don't have a kettle. So, so I get this call, I head out there and I'm heading toward her home and I'm noticing it's near LAX and I'm noticing as I'm getting closer, I'm seeing graffiti, the homes are more disheveled. And then I turn on that street where the home should be and I just see like dead grass. And then I look around the home I'm rolling past and I see this setback home really small and it has like a 140 and a half number on it so I'm thinking well maybe it's not it and I, I knock on the door and then this woman answers the door immediately with this really tired expression and I I don't know what that means but I start to say something but before I could speak I smell this mold like mold like really bad mold like oh my gosh I you know like I have to leave mold and I remember thinking what I'm going to say still and at that time as I'm starting to turn I get a tug at my finger and I look down and I just see this little girl with blonde hair and this big smile. Unlike her mom and me, she's happy because she's got a visitor and she just pulls me in the home and I have no choice. I follow her in through this crowded living room. There's kind of this undersized hallway and then she turns right into this room and um, it was her room. I knew that because she smiled and then pointed to the wall and when I saw the wall, there was a My Little Pony poster. And so as she sat there smiling, though, I still had that strong smell in my nostrils. And that's when I looked down and saw four mattresses with mold where she and her siblings slept. And that was a hard thing to behold for me. Very hard. It, not, not because, you know, I was having, uh, it was, I wasn't able to feel kindness all that empathy yet it was a little bit of panic it was a little bit of how did I get myself into this situation 
because it was it was selfish. It was survivalist. I had a I had a mortgage payment to make in a couple of weeks. I just started. I just bought a house and started my company. I went. What am I doing? I, I I need to get out of here. This little girl's a threat to me. She's really cute, but I can't even get there. And then the mom walks in again with that same expression. And then I saw. I looked at her after looking at her daughter, and I just couldn't stop myself from saying that thing. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of your roof. I just remember it came out just like, I'm going to take care of your roof. And I, I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> Can I, you know, will I, I honestly, I did not know if I just told a lie. I was afraid so much that I was not going to be able to, because I walked up on that roof afterwards and sure enough, it was gone. It was sash. There was just plywood. You could see the plywood. It needed, there was nothing but felt. It was the worst roof I think I've ever seen to this day that I've inspected. And, um, I, and I was panicked, but I just remembered I made promise and I had to keep it because I just, it's, it's those words my dad just said, you know, my dad never made good look sexy. He just did it. He always does the right thing. I can't ever think of a time unless he lost his temper where he doesn't do the right thing. And I just said, well, I, I got to take care of this roof because I said I wouldn't. So I got on the phone and I got six volunteers and I got, I got a, I went to Home Depot and I got a bunch of goop. I got Henry's 203. I don't think they even make it anymore. And I got a bunch of uh, a, a cold app. This was the first flat roof I ever installed. And we put that roof on with these volunteers on that Saturday. And I remember it was dripping on the outside. I do remember that. You know, but it, they didn't care because it was dry on the inside. And, and that was a great experience that changed my life. And I, I don't, it's extra emotional this morning, but um, it's just a powerful thing because it, it took a while before that story really showed up. I didn't know it was a story I was supposed to tell. I didn't know. I didn't know anybody cared until I wasn't being heard and inside and outside my company 12 years ago. And, and it yeah. was the, it was the, it was the, it was Habitat for Humanity, Orange County's, uh, it was their, their marketing director, Gladys. And she said, Charles, you, you don't need to tell our story. We got that. You need to tell them your story. And then I thought, well, this is what happened. And she says, well, tell it. So I started telling the story and then my people started believing and then we're able to do more. And then that's been the strength of our culture. That's what draws top talent, keeps them here and allows us to have real impact in the world. So sorry, yeah. I didn't go on in such a long yeah. rant there. That was a great story. And it sounds like that experience made a great impression on you. And it really helped shape the decisions that you made in the future and the direction that you took your business. Yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, in time, I mean, there was always that fear when I started my business. Like, how do you do this? I mean, I'm a craftsman. I'm a master lead fixer. Right. But how I'm not a businessman. I'm not trained. I'm not I'm not trained in all of this stuff from staging jobs from all this stuff. So, yeah, this was a huge component, but it took a long time to understand its value and be able to build off of it. But looking back, it was the thread that built our company. Looking back, it was the overcompensation. It was the thing that compensated for those things that I lacked. Because one thing you know when you're an entrepreneur, eventually you realize that we are generally not the best managers, entrepreneurs. Generally, we're not the best at some of the parts of the company that we have to attract the talent to do. And so this is the culture thread. This is the story that aligns with other people's story 
that allows them to know they're safe here and that we as a tribe can travel through the wilderness and have impact and protect each other. And that's why it works, by the way, with all the nonprofits. That's why people trust Antis because they understand in a deep level our partnership with Habitat for Humanity. They know and they believe in their reptilian brains. We believe that everybody deserves a decent place to live and a safe, dry home. And so Antis is safe to travel with. And by the way, that translates to, like I said earlier, the best roofs that translates to the best culture, the, the kindest atmosphere to our employees. Now that's maybe not always true, but it is definitely true by what we say and what you say out loud, people will hold you to. And I love that. So that proves to our intent. Our intent is to create that. And when you, when you realize there is enough to do that, then you can say things like, it's my job to err on the side of generosity to all of my stakeholders and realize there will be enough. So you've been in business now for 30 years. You've gone through a lot of changes. You've got a lot of great experience. What advice would you give somebody who's just starting out in roofing or maybe thinking about choosing that as their career? What advice would you give those people? Oh, I would first say congratulations. What a beautiful time you've chosen and how lucky you are that you have this interest at such a great time because roofing's going through a massive interruption in a good way with technology. The lack of labor is for you, if you recognize it as such an opportunity, it's going to be higher wages. There's going to be robotics involved. There's going to be a lot, you know, there's going to be a lot more solar. Pretty soon everything we install will conduct electricity. It, it's going, it's a great time. It's a great time to be involved. I'd also say that understand that if you get involved, you're not just installing roofs. You have to be able to grow with technology and you have to adapt and change and thrive in the most super adaptive times in our lifetimes, our parents' lifetimes and their parents' lifetimes. We are going through a massive, super fast adaptive period and you need something to hang together. And that's that takes me back to this. And I think what you're talking about too, a little bit is the more, more and more often the worlds of solar and roofing are merging together into one. It sounds like you're talking about that. They will. We don't sell it to the HOA market yet because they can't buy it in a massive way because of the way the power is restricted and bought. Right. There likely will be legislation change within a few years where an HOA can install solar throughout. When that happens, that'll be a big part of what we sell. But right now we lobby for that a little bit. We we're involved in it, we have partnerships there, but it isn't a part of what we sell today. And I can tell you, it hasn't fared well for a lot of the people that have gone heavy. I'm not gonna mention names, but I have friends that have gone heavy into solar and it's been, it's been very, uh, what, what do they call it? Red Sea, everybody <laughs> bloodbath out there. And I think that it's been difficult to make margin. And I think in roofing, you know, roofing we have necessity of keeping people safe and dry there's there's a lot of practice that does work um best practices that do work but yeah if you're getting in roofing right now it's a great time but you better be adaptive and that was where I, that's where i started but there's a lot more that i could say that and that's where i wanted to come back to if you're going into it right now you 
This is a national average that has to be still correct because last year it was the average attrition rate for roofing for the company to company is 54%, which translates to the average roofing company, over half of the people working there will go work for another company, you know, and it's just, it's a crazy number, you know, and how can that translate to quality on a roof? You just, you know, because you just, it's not a factory. You can't see everything. We all know that. Right. It goes back to every nail matters. You know, you, you can void that 30-year warranty really quick with a nail. You know, it's like it's just crazy that we, we don't think that it matters. But if you're going to build a corporation, if you're going to build a company, I'm going to tell you what really matters. In today's world, there's a lack of authenticity. People really crave it on their reptilian brains, their trust brains. Remember the ones that want to travel with you in the wilderness because you're safe. Then let them have that cause. People, I wear these socks. I've been wearing them for four years. We might get into that later, but it's for Ronald McDonald House and everybody around me. I was in the paper today. I got a uh, uh, yesterday's paper wearing those socks for Ronald McDonald House, and that doesn't help me sell roofs because I'm in the paper. It helps me sell roofs because people trust me in their reptilian brains because they know that it is unimaginable for me to ignore sick children just like them. They know that it's not words, it's a thought. It's a conscious thought. It's a subconscious thought that evades into their conscious decision-making. And so that's why it really matters. And that's why you need cause. And when you have cause, then people have trust and then they listen and then they, and you work together and they do things like they smile when you talk with them because they know you're trustworthy in a time when so many people's stories are just stories. And by the way, when you tell your real stories, I don't know why, I don't, I'm not an expert on authenticity. I'm quoted a lot about vulnerability and authenticity, but it, it's, I can just tell you this, I, I, I tell my real stories. If it's not working, I'm gonna tell you. I'll be kind to everyone involved, but I'll tell you it's not what it's not working. I'll tell you what's working. And if you, if you believe that you can do that and be that authentic, um, then, then I'm telling you, be that authentic. If you're going to put a little bit of a show out there, that might have worked 10 years ago. A little bit of a show is going to get you blown away today. Don't do it. Be real. Be who you are. And let the public curb you. The reason I can talk about social giving is I've, I've messed it up so many times. I've understated it, overstated it. I've mentioned or not mentioned. I've learned and I've, I've been, I've been, you've helped me. You've told me, don't do that. You said, please do this because I've let it really come out. And if you can be really who you are and yeah. then learn all those skills to stay up with business, then you'll thrive. But I don't think you can do it and just chase money. You better have cause and your cause better really ring with authenticity. And when it does, people will love you inside and out, which means you'll have a great product and people will buy it. Great advice, Charles. That's that's great advice. You are a very authentic person. Uh, that's one of the things I've I've noticed about you. But also, you're a great storyteller, and I think that is a, a good skill to have. All the kids must love story time. I do. You know, I I I love storytelling. I love storytelling. I I my kids tell stories too now, and and they're very good at it. I would love somehow to put that out there and let them see, but I don't want to just put my kids out there all the time, but I, there, we tell stories all the time. Mm -hmm. Our brains are wired for stories. I'm telling you this, I'm an expert on stories. 
Stories are 30 times more memorable than data. Nobody cares about your data. Tell it in story. Fantastic. Thank you for that. So you're a, you're a dad, you're a grandfather, uh, and you work in one of the most dangerous businesses out there. And uh, roofing is dangerous. I always want to have folks talk about safety when they come on the show, just so we can get as many perspectives as possible. I know that safety is something that's very important in your line of work. What can you speak to to that? Well, I, I think safety is another thing that I have to look to. It's kind of like I do the right thing again, you know, but, but I have to, I have to be, admit that I haven't always been safe. And I, and I guess I, I'm, I'm saying it was ignorant. It was ignorant, so I'm not excusing it. But when I started in the roofing industry, nobody that I ever saw was tied off. And I wasn't in new construction where I might have seen it. I was in the re-roof market. It wasn't something that I was even aware of for my first 10 years in roofing. Um, if I saw it, it felt like it was a novelty job. It didn't feel like it pertained to me. And, and, re and OSHA regulations weren't as strict that either, but, but I just, I wasn't aware. I had zero awareness. And so, and then there was, there was a period, and this is, again, full disclosure, I became aware but it scared me because remember what we said earlier, I didn't feel like there's enough. I can't afford to be generous in safety, just like I can't afford to be generous with all of my stakeholders. That's a mindset. And by the way, if you think that way, it will exactly be true. So yeah. I challenge you, uh, those of you who start a business, those of you who are in business, to demand 100% tie-off, 100% safety, 100% no, 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 zero tolerance for going over the line and creating that. And I challenge you that there is enough. I mean, we have a full-time safety inspector today. He's a great guy. And if you meet him, he's not some, he's a kind man who is learning and growing and nurturing our team and letting him know how important their lives are. You know, it's an education. You look at our, you look at our industry. We have, I have the most beautiful men that work for me on the roofs. And I only say that because I don't have any females up on the roofs. You're welcome to come apply. We would be very happy to have you. But I mean, these men are beautiful men and um, I, I have to keep them safe and I have to educate them that they can, that they can fall. Because sometimes when you have um, a lot of people coming and, and trying to get work, they can compromise safety for speed and they can think like a lot of people that have been labored, just like the loggers I grew up with, just like the mill workers I grew up with, it's not the same thing. Oh, that's for the young people. That safety does not apply to me. And it doesn't make sense that they think that way, but that's how a lot of people will think. And you have to constantly educate them on zero tolerance. We're always tied up, always tied up. And, and when you get that, because I've had safety pains, I've had people that I love hurt, fallen and hurt. Um, but I'm very happy to report we have not had a lost time accident in over two years and that's, that's and we've time. had yeah and we i think we're almost a year on any incident and so there's there's a lot of really really good stories and safety but i take it you know it's you look at the liabilities of our industry number one is safety then you have the product liability you know you get litigated if you're not and that's why customer care needs to be strong a lot of companies go out under not even because their roofs fail because skylights fail but they couldn't even defend it because they couldn't get up there and defend it i mean so safety is critically important put at the top of your list and if you do that 
and you sell it as that too. Brad Belden has a beautiful company, a bunch of offices back east, and he sells on safety. And I love that. It's a sexy way to sell. We, I mean, he has not had any, in four, in four different states, they haven't had a lost time in years. In some of the offices, it's been seven, eight years. I mean, they are, they sell with it, you know, because it's the right thing to do. And, you know, my clients need to hear this. When you look at those low bids, there's a reason they're low. It's a 15% differential in cost sometimes to have it safe or not. I mean, that, look at that difference. And you know, we're holding our people to that. And because it's good for you. And by the way, safety always equates to quality. Funny how that is. But when you go fast, you go fast. When you tie off to go safe on the edges, you can build the safe detail on the edges because you know where roofs fail? Roofs fail at the edges and the transitions and the penetration points. They never fail in the middle. Right. It fails at the penetrations, the transitions. Selling with safety. That's great. I, I love that. I'm gonna, oh, we got to clip this and pump that. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. You bet. You bet. That'd be a good one to do. So any myths in your industry that you would like to dispel? So what is a myth in our industry? There's some rippers across the country that give us a bad reputation, you know. There, there are, but they're, you know, they're not this hot-headed... Um, that's not the roofers I know. The roofing pros I know are kind-hearted, empathetic people. You know, one of the stories that I love to tell is my children were born premature, and that's why I'm on the board of Ronald McDonald House. And so I was able to submit a plan with Bill Good to get all the Ronald McDonald Houses to taken care of from coast to coast. And that's why I wear these socks. I started wearing it in that campaign. And these roofing pros, they showed up. And, and I remember I was in a meeting in San Diego and it was the roofing Alliance. And there was like 80 men and women in there. And they look like that tough, or, you know, John Wayne characters, a lot of them. And they're really good people though. And I remember when, when they, they gave the pitch for the first ever nonprofit partnership for the NRCA in 130 years with Ronald McDonald House. And they showed one of those films with a family, with a sick kid, and that family that wanted to be close to that sick kid so it could heal. And I looked around the room because I was hoping nobody would see that I was crying and I had tissue up there. I was actually I was just using my fingers. And I looked around the room and I saw all these men and women, but all these men, some of them with big fingers, and they were doing the same thing as me. And the cool thing was, is I watched 70 men and women raise their hand and unanimously accept this partnership. And there's a big commitment, man. That's a lot of roofing to donate. And that's a lot, a lot of other things we're doing too. And that was a cool thing. So I think that's the myth is, man, roofers that I know, they're stuck with the same condition that we opened this with. And that is, we can't let a family have a leaky roof just because they don't have the money to pay. Wow, you're a great guy. You've already said a lot of great reasons why people should hire you. But if you're speaking directly to the audience, why should people pick your company and even more than that, what should people be looking for when they pick a company to do their roofing? Well, our company, um, I think it's really about the people, but the people have to have the right job description too. And if you look inside our company, we have a very, very elaborate office because we're tracking everything. We have the most sophisticated ERP system of any company that I know in the States. 
And the, you know, when you get, do get to look when you uh, serve in a lot of boards, as we do, we serve on a lot of boards. That's in the industry, roofing industry, RVPs and myself do. We also serve in the community. And so what, when, you, when you work with Antis, you have real relationships with real people doing the job of tracking. We upload 5,000 pictures a day. If you look inside, most roofing companies are not built that way. They're built as a craftsman on the job. They don't have the capacity to track to customer care, but we live in a high customer care niche. So those companies that come in and the reason they bounce out or they go out of business is they're not prepared to track for quality. Because if you track, you end up with quality. It's, there's nothing similar about two roofs spec the same next to each other, nothing similar. One can last 40 and one can last 11. There's nothing similar. And that, that's all about who puts them on. And if you come meet the people, which we're really easy to do, you can come here live or we'll give you a virtual tour. You come and meet the people. You see real people with purpose doing real work and they know why they're there. They're there to keep families safe and dry. And when you have purpose, that's not just a story, but it shows up in all that you do and the habitat risks we donate, which, why does that work? I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. People like people who are nice. That's, that's why it works. <laughs> well, when you're generous, you just are blessed. However that works, you know, and you're blessed with good people. You're, you're, I'm, I'm, we're blessed with the fine relationships. So if a product fails, you've seen all those roofs that don't go 30 years. Well, yeah. the, who they're going to listen to, they're going to listen to those that are involved. So yeah. we're able to get our clients heard if there is a problem. So, it, I, I, but it's really about the people. If you, if you contract with Antis, you have the right people putting on the right roof and listening to what matters in the community, listening to the pains of the community. And so I'm, I'm proud of my people. I could go on and on about them, but, it, but when you have a culture like ours and you put people in community first, the end result are roofs that last and we are able to provide those. Thank you, Charles. Are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you that I didn't get to? Hmm, I could say, yes, you could ask me to sing a song in Thai. Charles, can you sing a song? Yes, I, in Thai, in the language Thai, because um, I once lived in Thailand, and I once spoke fluent Thai, and here goes. I'm so excited. It's called, I am a daughter of the East. Perfect tone. Fantastic. Wow, that's awesome. No one's ever no one's ever sang me a song in Thai before. That was very special. It's, a, it's the first time. Yeah. Well, next time I'll tell you the story is on around that. What's the best way for people to get in touch with anxious roofing and waterproofing? Well, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn because I'm very active on LinkedIn. I put a lot of our social forward messaging and the things that I'm involved in. And if I stay involved in these things, I attract and retain the best, the best of the best. And so if you please follow me on LinkedIn, um, we'll have fun there. And then if you reach out to me in a message there, I can link you to um, our sales department. We would love to take care of community. Again, we do HOAs. That's all we do, but we do more than anyone from Malibu down to San Diego. Fantastic. All right, Charles, thanks again for being on the show. I'm so glad that I had you here. You're a great guy. You've got a great company. And I think anybody would be well served by you if they chose you to help them with their roofing needs. Thank you very much again for being on. Thank you, Cameron.